Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Hi there, Thrive Deeper listeners. We have restarted our Thrive Perspectives podcast series. Matt, myself, and our good friend and critical thinker, Connell, will be exploring our worldview and how this informs every aspect of our lives, how we think, behave, what we see as our priorities and purpose in life. This is such a timely conversation in this day and age with so many influences and voices shouting at us for our attention. What does a Christian worldview look like and how do we live out our lives in this context? So join us at Thrive Perspectives as we explore our Christian worldview. You can find the Perspectives podcast at our website, thrivetoday.tv, or at your favorite podcasting platform. Matt, coming to the close of uh, an incredible journey through Isaiah, and uh, in this next passage we're going to come into, and we'll, we'll recap a little on the previous one, but in this next passage, I reckon we see some of the most well-known scripture quoted from the Old Testament, we lots do, and lots and lots we? of verses that I've yep. you know, used and, and, and delved into over the years, but... Uh, yeah, welcome listeners to Thrive Deeper, episode 163, and uh, we are picking up our journey through the book of Isaiah. Uh, we're going to be picking up here from chapter 40 and uh, working our way through to the end of the book, chapter 66. Gee, it's been great to read this again. Oh, yeah. I, I've just, it, it, it's actually magnificent. It's it's such, I mean, I know perhaps familiarity could, could blur the magnificence of it, but yeah. it truly is. Uh, it truly is a magnificent yeah. uh, section of the Bible. Mm. And again, it's mm. just struck me uh, how impacting these verses are. Well, and for me as well, it's like lots of the bits, as I said before, you, you kind of hear in the individual context, but when you actually read that whole section yeah. and you just see how it all fits together, it just adds so much extra weight. Yeah. But before we jump into that, let me just give our listeners, Matt, and, and feel free to mm. jump in here, a little bit of a summary of where we've come from. We've seen Isaiah's message of both judgment and hope for Jerusalem throughout yeah. the book of Isaiah. He made it clear through his messages to the people of Israel and Jerusalem that they'd rebelled against God. Amongst other things, obviously, they continued their worship of idols and treating the poor and less fortunate with contempt, and this had uh, angered God. As a result of the rebellion, Isaiah is telling the people that uh, God is going to use both the nations of Assyria and then later on mm. Babylon to bring Israel's kingdom to nothing um, through an act of judgment, and, uh, and and as we conclude in chapter thirty-nine, we see with, with, I, a, with a remnant, of course, oh, exactly, is always of course, the promise of, of promise course, of a remnant. remnant through that. Predicts the fall of Jerusalem, the Babylonians, and then the exile of that yeah. remnant yeah. Uh, that followed from that. And of course, this all came to part that part of it anyway. The the um, the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonians, and then the exile actually came to pass about a century or a hundred years mm. after Isaiah had spoken mm. the. Judgment, and so, so that's you know really him speaking about God's judgment to come. Now, obviously, throughout Isaiah's prophetic words of judgment, there were also continual words of hope. You know, yeah. and uh, Isaiah was looking forward to the new Jerusalem, a new kingdom where God's rule would be restored and through the Messianic King yet yeah. to come. And I guess that's where we're heading into now, as we yeah, because the judgment was you know it's not like final judgment. No, that's right. It was. A, a purging in a way it, it was, was a discipline yeah that yes. was correctional mm. and and the you know it was designed actually to bring god's people to a point where they could fulfill yes. the thing that they were called to and this actually one of the big things in Isaiah throughout it it very much focuses it's not just focusing on sort of legalistic observance of the law as such mm. it's actually and this is the remarkable thing from reading this again how this theme pervades the book is the the theme of, of Israel being God's servant and this servant theme throughout the book. And of course there is Israel, the servant, but there's also the one, the servant of the Lord who embodies the calling of Israel in, in the one person, you know mm, what I mean? And mm. then sort of hands it back, yeah. fulfills it and then hand, hands it back. And that, that's of course, is this, you know, messianic, mm. uh, these messianic promises of the, of this Messiah who will come, the servant of the Lord who is going to fulfill this calling in a sense, yeah. um, but also in order to empower 
God's people to be who they need to be. And yeah. so the you know the background for this is that great promise to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you. Yeah. I will I will make for you a great name which speaks about role. It's not just about fame. It's about role because because the role actually is about the fame of God essentially. Yes. You know, I'll make for you a great name and you will be a blessing, you know. Mm. Uh, whoever curses you I will curse, whoever blesses you I will bless and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. So this this theme, this Abrahamic theme of the Abrahamic covenant um, that I cited there, which is from Genesis 12, verses 2 to 3, it resounds throughout this book of Isaiah yes. because he speaks about the, the Israel being a light to the nations, mm. about the nation streaming to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, of course, is a, is, is a sort of a symbol of the people of God in, in that sense. We see that explicitly in the book of Revelation as a new Jerusalem comes yes. down out of heaven yeah. uh, from God. And, um, and so, yeah, the theme of servanthood. And that's, that's pretty much uh, – that, that runs right through the book. Now, we've, we've covered chapters 1 to 39. That's a, this book actually sits quite neatly in two halves. Yes. Um, rarely is structure so stated, but in in the book of Isaiah, uh, the structure, there's very much two halves to this book. And the, the first, those first 39 chapters, uh, you have that servanthood theme, uh, the servanthood of God's people through whom this, the servant, uh, the one servant, the messianic yep. servant, through whom he is actually revealed to the world. Mm. So mm. there's there's a role for God's people. So so right from the start in chapter 2, it says in chapter 2, verse 2, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. Mm -hmm. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. Uh, he will teach us his way and so and so forth. Right. Yes. And so it's interesting, Stu, you know, there's this attractional element to to. The mission, yes, it is. It's very much go out, but it has this attractional sense that there's going to be something in you, draw people, you in. plural, yes, uh, us, yeah. Yep. That is that is going to is going to exhibit the glory of God. It's going to shine as a light in some sense, and it's going to have this attractional force. Mm. And of, and and of course, it's it's the glory of God. That is ultimately the thing that human beings long for the yes. most, you yeah. know, yeah. and and so you've got the, you know that theme you know strong throughout, and so th there's this concern about then Israel being having not fulfilled that. That's a big thing in that in yeah. the, those first yeah. uh, thirty nine chapters. Yeah, God, you promised that that's this right. would happen, and it, it, how is this going to happen now? Yeah, that's you right. Know. So you know Israel's lips were unclean, just as yeah. Isaiah has been. You know, in the in that encounter with God in chapter six. Yeah. You know, woe is me because I'm a man of un of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips, and mm. and so the thing that prevents Israel from being, and this is the other great theme. I'm saying this because this flows right into the next, the second half. Uh, the thing that really stops, and the main thing, it's interesting to know what is the main problem. You know, and and this is important question, Stu, because I think this is almost always the case. Mm. I'll say almost, but I think it's always the case. If we ask ourselves, what really is our main problem yeah. right now? Throughout the throughout those first thirty nine chapters, it's their inability to trust God, mm. or, or I say their un unwillingness really to trust God, which was exactly the problem right at the start. Yeah, you know, did God really say that? Is yeah, that's that what right. God really yeah. meant. Yeah, <laughs> you know. and and so and I think this, you yeah. know, w when you look at the Spot New on. Testament and and you ask the question, what is the what is the thing that Jesus looked for, really looked for in in people? What is the thing that he celebrated yeah, the most faith. in people? Because there were lots of yep. amazingly committed people. Uh, there were you know there were the Essenes, you know, mm. off the, there by the Dead Sea and living mm. in this monastic, yep. you know, life, amazing life of commitment, you know. But that what what he commends is these acts of faith. faith yeah, I, you know, and ironically, often it's people outside Israel, you know, the Syrophoenician woman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the 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 centurion, the centurion you know yeah. the, how he just celebrates their faith, mm. and then of course he's con you know he's saying to it often and you even, hear him say even to his, yeah sorry even the guy on the cross right next to him absolutely you know and then he's always saying to the disciples oh you of little faith yeah. so so the thing and and you know Luke uh, eighteen you know when the son of Jesus says when the son of man comes will he find faith, faith yeah. on the earth and so you see you look to the to 
throughout this book, the thing that God is really lamenting over his people mm. is why don't you just trust me? Yeah. You've got to trust me. And you're, not tr- you're going down to Egypt and you're going to these other nations and you're entering into a, an alliances. And then, of course, there's the idolatry thing. Mm. We've got to keep all of these local, these local deities happy, you yeah. know, uh, and, and at great expense, I must say, like yeah. enormous sacrifice even yeah. at, at points, you know, involving child sacrifice. Mm. So, and in Hebrews, I mean, I think it's mm, Hebrews, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You know, there's that verse that says, "Without faith, it's impossible." That's right. To yeah, please God, that's right. You know, and yeah. so it's it's very clearly that's what God's looking for: trust in Him. Yeah, that's right. And so, over and against this, then what we see is God showing His trustworthiness. You know, I will do what I say. You know, let, let's let's just. And, and even in the immediate context, and there's this, we've talked about this double fulfillment thing. I'm going to show you that by the that by the time it takes for a, for a young woman to give birth to a child, and and you know in in that the time it takes the child to grow up, um, to be able to you know yeah. speak his first words, this your yeah. deliverance, this what I'm saying will have happened, will have right? Happened, yeah. And of course that happens, mm. and 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 then and then those prophecies, yeah. in a sense, look forward beyond that. So. So, in a sense, the, chapters forty to sixty-six sort of follow on from that because, it, well, it's interesting actually. Just one comment on the last bit of those that the events that we talked about yeah. in the last issue, because that is that that shows supremely God's trustworthiness. Mm. That victory over Sennacherib, that yep. amazing story. Yeah. Okay, about the defeat of the of, of the Assyrians, but then you've got Hezekiah's failure again at yeah. the end, which sort of portends that. The, the the failure of of, his, of Judah even beyond that, so so chapters forty to sixty six explore this situation in which so God delivered them from Assyria, but it's really speaking into a situation of the exile. Yes, and this has caused a lot of people to say, well, maybe this was written, and and certainly you know it, it's at times it sounds like you know it's written. As though the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened in 586 BC, yeah. um, so the Assyrians swept yep. down into sorry the Babylonians. Babylonians. Yep. So we so hundred years later after the events of yep. and Isaiah died at this point in time. Yeah, okay. So Babylonians. So Isaiah's around you know seven hundred. So yep. seven hundred one was when that amazing story about Hezekiah and yep. the defeated the Syrian army. Hundred years later, you've got the Babylonians coming down and they're causing all sorts of problems. They take exiles back to Babylon. Finally, they defeat uh, yes. the Judah and rip, yes. the, rip the walls down and the temple, and mm. it's a bloodbath, and it's, you know, it's terrible. The yep. and, and the remaining people go into exile. So it's the, the second half is speaking as though that's already happened. And and, if, yeah, exactly. You know, yep. it's, but it's also, it's also kind of sounds like it's, it's speaking of, at times as though Jerusalem is still there. Yeah. You know, now, you know, there's been lots of scholarly discussion about this. Is this, is this the same Isaiah or, or is this someone in the school of Isaiah? Yeah. Because they had this tight knit sort of prophetic schools, you mm. know, carrying on mm. that ministry in the spirit of Isaiah, you know, in the same way that, you know, Elisha, you know, carries sort of in a yes. sense carries forth with the spirit or the ministry of Elijah. Yeah. yeah. Um, is this, you know, is this a, is this a sort of a second Isaiah? And so, so some people see in this uh, what what they refer to as Deutero uh, Isaiah speaking. I, I think there are though still good arguments for the unity of this yes. book. Yeah. Um, well, there's some who who suggest from passages earlier that because you know, it talks about Isaiah writing these messages down in a scroll and giving it to his yeah. disciples or followers. Yeah. And and so it could be that they've now brought these out and they're reading on into what he'd spoken about and actually declaring them on his behalf as his disciples. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, that could be the case. It is his words. So I, it's I'm just, not, just yeah, it's not him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be. It could be that as well. Look, I'm not. You know, I I don't. Uh, I don't necessarily. Th- I mean, and, and there are evangelical scholars, you know, Bible believing scholars that that go with the Deutero Isaiah yep. theory. And and I think that's fine. I, I just it, it does work a bit against some key yes. themes in the book because one of the key themes in the book, and and this is particularly that the the both the first and the second halves of this book is God is is God predicting things. Yes, 
which other god can can That's predict right. that things are going to happen and it happens right yes you know bring you know it's there are points where it says bring out your diviners and your your stargazers mm-hmm. and you know and, yeah. and bring them all out and let's see yeah. who can tell the future mm. no you can't mm. but i'm going to declare things that haven't yet happened so that you will know and that's such a big theme throughout this book uh, you know that and and of course uh, you know the the skeptical uh, you know a skeptical approach to this says well it must be written later because it predicts Predicts all of this stuff. <laughs> that's the point. But I predicted the Babylonian a yeah. uh, hundred years before it happened. Yeah, so yeah, that's right. And certainly, yeah, in the first part of the book, he's yeah. predicting that the fact that yeah. uh, that that's right. Um, yeah. Babylon is, is is already spoken about, and so you know, and 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 then look, the fact that is in the latter chapters of the book, sort of roughly from about sort of chapter fifty six to mm. sixty six, you kind of returns to a lot of themes in the first part of the book as well. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it certainly sounds like the same uh, Isaiah in many respects. Mm. So look, as I said, you know, it, I, I don't, I don't think it, you know, I don't think it's absolute deal break, but I certainly lean no. towards, yeah. uh, I certainly lean towards the one prophet mm. speaking here. I think there are really good reasons in the text actually uh, to suppose that that's true. But, but the big question is why, you know, that, that the second half of the book answers uh, and I believe in anticipation because there was this salvation from Assyria, but that same thing again wouldn't happen with with Babylon. Babylon so, yeah. so what does that mean? You know, that, mm-hmm. this there's this great act of uh, act of salvation. You know, that proves that, yes, I'm with you. I'm you know, I love you. I'm you know, I'm faithful. But then a hundred years later, you're not. Yeah. yeah exactly. But then a hundred years later, now of course. The circumstance there was no Hezekiah no. When, when the Babylonians were coming down. They were made, you know, they, they were completely apostate by mm, then, mm. Uh, despite Josiah's best efforts to um, to bring reform, and, and and those efforts were successful to some extent. Um, but at least the leading the leaders mm. and the, the kings were quite apostate. Mm. So the, you know, the question is: Is God going to be trustworthy? Is is he? You know, um, is he still the Lord of the nations? Like he's, you know, like originally yeah. declared um you know is has israel been forever cast off is that is this it now and yeah. is does he still choose jerusalem is is that all done for now are, are we there's all of these questions you know what about the covenant with david what are, that's a big one for yes, them yes. Dur- during the exile yeah what about this covenant with david you said you would always have a king seated on the throne yeah and then we can't uh, see that yeah what about that now? how's you that going to happen and and yeah. you know David was very much the servant of the Lord, you know. Um, you know, my servant David. It's very much uh, mm-hmm. so. So there's that, that. These are very important questions for these people who are feeling like, have we been completely cast off? So, so in a sense, the first half of the book needs the second half of the book. Yes, because it's already it's prophesied that there is going to be the Bab- Babylon is going to destroy. Mm. You know the city, and and it's so predicting this the exile. second half is speaking of the hope, yeah, of the promise. That's right. You know, it's yeah. saying no, no. You know, he, yeah. he's, he, the promise is still. That's right. And place. so it opens with the words, "Comfort, comfort yes. my people," says yeah. your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, mm. that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. A voice of one calling, in, uh, of calling in the wilderness. Um, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the desert in the desert a highway for our yeah. God. Every you know, every, it's a classic. Uh, and if you're familiar with Handel's Messiah, it's a great um, adaptation of this. Every valley will be raised up. Every mm. mountain and hill will be made low. Rough ground shall become level. A rugged place is plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Right. Mm. So he's saying, I haven't given up. Yes. On that purpose. All of the world is going to see my glory through you. And so, and notice it's not so much I'm making a way for you to come to me. Prepare prepare the way for the Lord yeah. that he will come to I'm you. Going to come. Now, it's yeah. interesting. These are the verses that, uh, John. that John the Baptist, yep. uh, you know, quotes in terms of his ministry. Yeah. That this is what, that this is what he's doing or, or is what quote is quoted about John the Baptist. Yes. Uh, because he prepares the way for the people through repentance you know, uh, through that baptism in, mm. in the, you mm. know, in the Jordan River. And so, you know, in a sense that the exile was like a, was like a kind of a baptism experience, you know, and, and in a way they came out of it quite a different sort of people. Yes. 
Yeah. You know, idolatry was never in that. I mean, they had other problems, but not idolatry. That mm. that was really one of the key issues in exile. Yeah, mm. that 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 was just they were purged mm. of that really, mm. and and so there was really this purging, this cleansing in the time of the exile, and and there was a great spiritual revival. You know, yeah, the, the, there was a core group there that really did cry out to God by the rivers of Babylon. There yes. we sat and went yeah. when we remembered Zion, and they, they it's just you know yeah. some great things happened there, and then you know he speaks to the the immediate concerns and and grievances in chapter 40 verse 27 why do you complain yeah. jacob why do you say israel my way is hidden from the lord my cause is disregarded by my god he says do you not know have you not heard? and this is the the, the famous passage you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. um uh, Stu, have you seen um, the film Chariots of Fire? Yes. Cl- Long time ago, though. It's yes. the classic scene in that where he's – because he ch- he says, I'm not going to run on, on on a Sunday. I'm going to yes. go and, you know, worship God. And, yes. And and so he's reading this passage, you know, in, in the, the – in the in the church, and yep. it's just a great moment in that uh, in that great yeah, film, yeah. Chariots of Fire. So, so he speaks to that. No, no, I've I, I'm you know I'm going to raise you up. Uh, I'm I'm a faithful God, and and so then there's this reinstatement. So in, in chapter forty one, he says in verse eight, "But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen." You descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from the farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. Uh, I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am... In other words, I'm still your God. I'm still with you. Uh, I'm reinstating you to that calling now. So this is there's going to be this reinstatement happening. Because one of the big questions here for ancient people is you know are the gods of babylon greater than the gods yeah. of you know and and actually at at, at one point he speaks d- to that directly to that yeah here in in chapter 41 you know he, he very much focuses on the fact that god alone that yahweh i should say alone is able to steer history and this is the importance of what i said before Stuart, about the predicting thing you know because it's not just, oh, isn't that clever? You can predict things before they happen. Mm. No, the reason why God can predict things before they happen is he's sovereign, right? And he steers history. <laughs> he's making right? it happen. He, exactly. he knows what he's going to do. Yeah. You know, it's not that he makes evil people do what evil people do. So because, you know, I mean, he criticizes, for example, uh, ahead of time, he criticizes mm. the Babylonians yes. for having no mercy, right? Mm. You were my instrument. Mm. Babylonians, they were my instrument. They were an mm. instrument in my hand, the discipline of my people, but they had no mercy. So even even though they were an instrument in God's hands, yet there's, that doesn't make them not culpable for yeah. the things that they did. Yeah, exactly. You know. uh, so, and in fact, the it, yeah. you know the people, it feels a bit like it's a little bit of a, like a court case here where God, where the people are kind of raising these concerns, and God's kind of saying, "But hang on a minute, you know, I'm the one who, who, as you say, can steer history." The the people were kind of suggesting was the exile because God didn't care, but in fact, the exile was because God did care. Yeah, <laughs> it was the exact yeah. opposite. It's because yeah, He wanted right. to restore His people. Yeah, that's he right. wanted to He wanted to bring correction and yeah. purge, purging, as you said. Yeah. So, I think he this kind of passage here we see god kind of really speaking to his authority across all things across all gods and kind of and kind of saying to the people no no i'm i am the only one true god yeah that's right and and my promises are yeah kept you know that's right and that's the consistency in the message throughout this book because in the first part he says no assyria actually is just going to be is going to be my you know the, the the a tool in my hand that again doesn't make uh, Assyria Sorry. not culpable for the, yeah. the atrocities that mm. were committed. Mm. The same thing is said of Babylonian. So it's Babylon is just going to be a tool in my hand. And, and in fact, he one of the remarkable things in yep. these chapters is that he then predicts Babylonians down, yeah. Babylon's downfall. Well, he raises up another instrument yeah. in his hand to yeah. deal with yeah, know, that's the Persians, right. basically. And it's interesting that he he even names Cyrus. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, so it was the Persians that defeated the Babylon, the, the Medes and the Persians yeah. that defeated the Babylonians. Very suddenly, I may say, you know, amazing ba- Babylon in, in a, you know, feeling very secure during the great feast of uh, recorded in, in Daniel. Yep. And th- there is th- this moment with the writing on, on the wall, wall, you know, the famous yeah. uh, story. Well, actually, as that feast was happening, uh, we know as historical facts, the, yes. the, 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 per- the Medes and Persians were coming up. Persians had actually diverted the river. And and had gotten under the walls, yeah. so it was you know amazing, and and it happened so very sudden downfall. 
it took them by surprise, mm. but it shouldn't have taken God's no, people by right. surprise because it was, first of all, Jeremiah had told them the exile is going to be 70 years. Mm. And so from the, the, you know, it's pretty much was very much within that. Yeah. Uh, now, 70 years is, you know, is, is their, their version of a round number, but mm. it pretty much was 70 years. By the time the first people went in exile, like say Daniel, yeah. they, they probably, 605 was probably when they were taken into exile. And then, you know, by the time they got back, you, you sort of, you know, 536 maybe mm. by the time they mm. got back into. It's like a know, full generation. Really, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a r- remarkable predictions. And again, showing God's sovereignty, you yeah. know. And so, so the fact that he predicts, you know, that I'm going to raise up and he calls him my servant. Mm-hmm. So even, even Cyrus, who yeah. he names, this yeah. king's going to come, his, his name is going to be Cyrus. He's going to be an, another instrument in my hand. He's going to be my servant. And, and interesting about God's. Uh, control a history there as well because there's an which you'll know there's an interesting story about Cyrus as well who was the grandson of Astyages and Astyages had a dream that before he lost the throne Cyrus was going to overthrow him so he told him told one of his soldiers to go kill Cyrus so it didn't happen but the soldier didn't gave him to a shepherd to look after him and then Cyrus raises up this rebel group of Persians and actually does defeat the Babylonians. Amazing. And he had this dream yeah. Yeah. about this. And so God all there all that way back there is preparing yeah. the way. Yeah, know, that's right. And that's not that's do. not those stories aren't in the Bible. No, that's, that's right. That's, that's just in happening. I think it is or whatever yeah, yeah. it is here. No, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's just happening. So you see God's again, using all right. these You see the sovereign yeah, sovereignty absolutely. of God preparing yeah. things yeah, even yeah. even beforehand. Then in, in chapter forty two, it's so it's interesting Again, Stu, the use of the word servant, you know, like yes. it's my servant Israel. So there's Isaiah is is the servant servant of the Lord. Mm. But then Isaiah is sort of stands for as a um mm. as part of the people of God. Then the servant of the Lord was always meant to be Israel, you know, it God's people, God's covenant people, Israel. But then you you get this individualization of that term yes. now suddenly. Yeah. You, because there there are times in, in, in prophecy where where Israel is cast as like an individual, but mm-hmm. no, actually, there is something um, very ideal about this figure. It's not just oh, this is another way of speaking about about Israel, and and, and there's something particularly individual and mm-hmm. particularly ideal about the way. So so there's this um, predictions of this very much this ideal servant who is going to, in a sense, restore or or. or in an ultimate sense, affect this reinstatement of God's people so that they will be a light to the nations. Right. You, know, you know, so you get this um, announcement in, in uh, 42, you know, here is my servant. Uh, you know, Samuel used a similar expression when he presented, saw, here is my king, right? So this yes. is, it sounds like, you know, something is is being presented, you know, individual is being put forward. So, so it says, here is my servant, this is chapter 42, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. Now, this is a this is remarkable, Stu, because this isn't predicting a great conqueror. That's right. You know, He's actually saying someone is going to come in gentleness, right? He's going to be essentially gentle. This is what is meant by a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, right? See, they're looking for how how are the nations going to be defeated and, you know, how are we going to, you know, attain this, this position of glory amongst the nations. Now, in the ancient world, you did that through military means. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's hard to actually overstate how sort of countercultural this actually is in in a, in a way he's going that this servant is going to come and, such an enormous task yeah. and yet he's going to do it like that that's right know, really and then you know i mean but then you've got to put that together with all the conquering you know the the, the ones that the, the yes. other prophetic predictions about the messiah as a great conqueror mm. and of course if you read you know revelation chapter 19 uh you know um you know i saw the, the, you know the white horse and the rider on the white horse with the fiery eyes and the sword and the mm, slaying mm. and the, you know. So on the one hand, he's not snuffing out you know a smouldering wick or or, or yeah. breaking a bruised reed, 
But and then in these other prophecies, you've got him as the great conqueror riding on the white horse. Yeah. Already here, you've got this, you know, you've got these predictions of two, essentially two acts of the Messiah separated by, well, we don't know yet how long. Yeah, but, yeah that's right. Um, and, and of course, this was a big issue when Jesus, the servant of the Lord that this mm. is speaking about, mm. when Jesus came. No, no, I haven't. He was saying, I'm not come actually to bring, judgment. you know, to bring judgment yeah. now. Um, you know, when he read Isaiah chapter 61, he reads up, you know, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yeah. Uh, and he leaves out the next verse, which is about the the day of vengeance of our God, because that was still future. Yeah, right? So he finishes yeah. halfway through a sentence. Yeah. Um, so because he's, you know, he had come to the servant of the Lord here that will not snuff out the smoldering wick. So, um, so we have this, you know, this introduction to to the servant of the Lord in in chapter Isaiah forty four. Uh, but now, listen, Jacob, my servant Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says: He who made you, who formed you in the womb, uh, and who will help you. Do not be afraid. Uh, he goes on to say, "I will pour water on a thirsty land, streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring, and my." blessing on your descendants um says you know they will grow up and and, yeah. and you know so there's this there's this again it it's like it expands and contracts it's the individual the servant Seven. and then he's saying i'm going to pour out my spirit and essentially mm-hmm. the the promise is that it's because he's going to pour out his spirit that on on this people that they are going to be enabled yeah. to be the servants that he wants them to be. That's what's going to enable them to be the light mm. to the nations is yeah. this outpouring of the spirit. So, you know, th- this is, you know, this, these are all, you know, remarkable predictions of, you know, of oh. what Jesus actually, you know, brought about, you know, and, Absolutely. you know, yep. fr- from, you know, including the outpouring of the spirit. So this, it's actually in 44 uh, verse 28 that he says, um, it says in verse 24, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. Then it goes down to verse uh, 28, who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd uh, and will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt and of the temple, let its foundations be laid. Yeah. Yeah. There you it know, is. It's, it's, it's there as a prediction. This is what he will do before it happens. And again, the, the repeated thing is I'm going to predict things before you, before they happen so that you know not just that I'm really clever, but that I am actually sovereign. Yes. That I am. So, so and those moments. And I think yeah. this is a good message for you know for the time in which we live. You know, because we look at the world and everything. You know, and all the things that are happening. And and you know, is 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 the church really going to you know succeed in its mission? And yeah. well, actually, God is going to be faithful through yes, it all. God is right. is the one who is sovereign over all the events of history. And that's still the case today. Yeah. And, and and so I think this is a really pertinent message even for our time, Stu, to be, you know, reminded again that that all all that's happening as even in our time, all, all you know, all of this has been predicted. Yes. And uh and, and God is sovereign over it all. And in fact our focus should be on God's mission in yeah. this world right now. Yeah. Uh, as yeah. his servants. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Yeah. Skipping forward then, Stu. Broad brushstrokes yeah, here. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, yeah. Yep. Um, so we, the next sort of block, 49, chapters 49 um, to 55, essentially, so, so the, here are these promises. You're going to be, you know, restored. It's very much, um, it's it's about restoration, reinstatement. But the question is, what about, what about, the, what about the sin yes. that precipitated all of this? Yeah. You know, what is God going to do about that? Because this is, remember, they had been instilled with this idea that God just doesn't Gloss let it over. go. Yeah, you know, right. that that's not uh, because God is a just God. So he doesn't just let it go. Oh, I'll just forget about that. You know, they have been schooled in, in the tabernacle school temple, you know, with the sacrifices. And this is what is required mm. for the forgiveness of sin. Uh, the shedding of blood is is required. There has to be, uh, there has to be the substitutionary atonement. Yes. Yep. Okay. Now that this is ingrained into them that they they you know uh, even Genesis twenty two the Lord will provide a lamb right. Mm, mm. So it's the Lord's provision. You know wh- wh- what is God going to do to actually take away uh, their sin? And this is where the servant, this gentle servant, uh, this is where this. This really, get, for them, would have been 
perhaps even incomprehensible yes. at the time. Oh, I think it uh, would have been. Yeah, uh, because in we have the, you know, famously in uh, you know Isaiah chapter fifty, end of fifty two, mm. and um, and fifty three, you have the famous uh, servant song, as it's known. I'm not sure. I mean, it's, you know, these songs. These passages sometimes referred to as servant songs. It's not clear that they were ever used as songs. Um, Poems, probably more. Yeah, but they're, they're very much. They're, this is prophetic. You know, yeah. it's a prophetic poetry. I mean, it's yeah. beautiful in one sense. But the point here, and and at the end of fifty-two, verse thirteen, says, "See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted." Yeah. So he's going to be highly exalted and that prepares us for what's about to. Mm. So he is going to be high. My servant's going to be highly exalted. But then it goes on just as there were many who were appalled at him. Right. So, he, so he's going to be exalted, but from a position of, of, yeah. of humility. Yeah. Now, now this was, this is the case with God's people, but remember the the theme of, of the servant achieves it. The, the servant, the individual achieves it so that, God's people, it can be then embodied in God's people. Yes. Right? So you yep. have this movement here. Yep. So here is where you get this again, this individualization, this individualization, individualization of these in this picture of the servant. Mm. Um, so he says, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations. That's the language of the sacrifices. So they would take the blood from the sacrifice and they would sprinkle on the day of atonement that he would sprinkle blood uh, on the atonement cover as if to say the price has been paid. paid. This is proof of payment. Okay. The the shed blood. And, and that brings um, forgiveness Forgiveness. for sin. So, so it says, so he will sprinkle many nations. Now this is interesting because, uh, you know, atonement in the temple was for Israel, right? That's for you. Right. Mm. But this servant of the Lord, he is actually going to sprinkle many nations, right? All uh, nations, yeah. in fact. Yeah, yes. that's right. Um, and it says, And kings will shut their mouths because of them, for what they were not told they will see, what they have not heard they will understand. Who has believed our message um, and and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So he introduced this by saying, I'm going to tell you something now really amazing, okay? But it's also, I think this is also pointing to the fact that believing in the message actually is the key to benefiting from it. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's a rhetorical question in a sense. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Yes. Well, it's to those whom the arm of the Lord is revealed and who believe and put their faith in him who, yeah. who respond. That's actually why in when because I uh, when we did uh, an adaptation of this um, with, uh, with Sons of Korah, the, the one passage of the Bible <laughs> actually wasn't a song. Yes. I, I, you know, this, this is... Uh, this is an amazing passage, and I thought this needs to be music. So, but I, you know, that who has believed our message to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's a repeated set because that's I think that yeah the key that's the that's the key because there's two ways you either respond in humility and repent and turn from sin and accept God for who He said He yeah. is, or uh, and then you you you'll you'll get His mercy and we are forgiven, or you're like the wicked you'd reject that. And, that's right, and yeah. You know, because in a sense, what fo- it's because of what follows, because of the humiliation that mm. actually when, you know, in, in the Gospels, that's actually what causes the people in the time of Jesus to reject him in a sense, because he wasn't the grand king. That they king. expected. Yeah. You know, uh, he, he, did, he wasn't the rider on the white horse. I mean, mm. that's still coming. He, he rode gentle and, you know, lowly yeah. on riding on a donkey, right? Yeah. Now, that was predicted. But, you know, and this comes back to the, in verse two, Isaiah 53, he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Mm-hmm. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. It's interesting that this speaks again, like it's past tense, you know, yes. um, he, he grew up and, and he it's was narrating yes. this. Yeah. Um, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom men hide their faces. But surely he took up our pain, he bore our suffering. This is the this is the language of atonement, right? Mm, they were used mm. to this. This is what the sacrifices. There was a sense of that these sacrifices, 
in a sense, substitutes for this people. So this is the language of substitutionary atonement, yeah, right? Yeah. He took up our pain, he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, right? There was a sense in which, you know, the sacrificial animal stood in and bore the punishment in the place of those people. Place, yeah. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was, was on, on him, him. Mm. and by his wounds we are healed. Now notice the us and him here. This is where you can't just say, oh, this is... This yep, is it, 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 that that the you know this is Isaiah saying that the exile Israel and the exile that their punishment was kind of an atonement. Yes. No, no, it's us and him yes. the whole way. So he's, he's speaking about us as the people of God, uh, that his punishment has brought us, us peace, yeah. right? So and by his wounds we are healed. We you know being the people of God. Mm. So uh, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned uh, to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Uh, he was oppressed and afflicted. He did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before it shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. You think this was written. You think this was like a, After, a know, poem reflecting yeah. on exact on. all the th- exact things that happened to Jesus, yeah, right? Exactly. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Uh, who of his generation protested? How's yeah. that? You know, mm. I mean... You know, yeah. He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was punished. Uh, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and the rich in his death. He was buried in a rich man's tomb, a repentant rich man, but, uh, fortunately. Yes. Um, though we had done no violence, you know, uh, yet, you know, verse 10, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. Offspring in the sense of disciples in a sense yes, yeah. uh, you know uh, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand because after he has suffered verse 11 he will see the light of life and be satisfied mm. you know there's there's resurrection amazing, right there it? I mean yeah. and by his you know goes on by his knowledge my righteous servant will justify many he will bear their iniquities I mean and then it goes down at, you know at the end of the chapter for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for transgressors yeah I mean, yeah. there's like the New Testament yeah, yeah. right Summarized there in a chapter. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely remarkable, yeah, the detail yeah. uh, of which. And, and, you know, I mean, that is, this is actually a key passage for, for actually Jewish people coming to faith historically. This has actually been a really key passage yes. uh, because yeah. um, of the way it, it before, you know, so many hundreds of years beforehand predicts these events with such amazing accuracy. Um, um, such amazing accuracy. And, and detail. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the result is that, you know, as it says in, goes on to say in chap, chapter um, 54, you know, sing barren woman. It's like this. So, so, so therefore the barren can sing and will be fruitful, right? Mm. It, there's mm. this sense of. Of, of hope now. Uh, the call can go out in chapter 55. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, right? It's talking about, you know, credit. You've got no righteousness, right? Yes. You've got nothing, right? If that's you, then come um, by without money and without cost. Why? Because the servant, my yeah. servant, yeah. Uh, the Messiah has paid, you know, has paid for it. It's interesting. After 53, Isaiah doesn't use the, doesn't use the singular servant anymore. Yeah, it's now servants. Yeah, that's right. Because because the singular servant has done that's right his part, and now it's up to the servants of the yeah. Lord. You yeah, know, that's who right. Are redeemed the people of the Lord exactly to, to be because on that's the, the key to their reinstatement. Correct. You know, and so in you know chapter fifty five, verse six: Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call yes. on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways, the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy. Mm-hmm. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. All of that is in the light of. of of what we've read about in Seven, in, in yes. chapter fifty three, yeah. so um, you know it, it really it's and again struck me afresh this the the and particularly the flow of how it all flows together, yeah, you yeah. know, and what happens after these these chapters. Now the interesting thing in in the final ten chapters, uh, Stu, just speaking big uh, big yeah, no. picture yep. uh, here, you know, we've had this stuff about atonement, and in a sense, it's interesting because these chapters, as I said earlier, they kind of go back to some of the themes and the call for obedience and righteousness and trust. And I think that flows really well in this context. Mm. You know, I mean, that sounds a bit, you know, well done, Isaiah. But, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> it's just like, but it, it, it's, the flow is, is great because it's not just a free ride or, or this is a call now because of what God is doing. It's not that the call to, well, there's, 
you know, nothing about obedience anymore, that that's not a thing now. It's just all grace. And yeah. no, 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 no. Actually, grace is the ultimate impetus, really, for, for it's, it's the ultimate rationale for obedience now. Yes. Yes. Because look what God has done for you. Yeah. See how he can be trusted. Mm. Now, no more idols, no more, you know, mm. now we you trust God. And, and so these final chapters are very much about, uh, you know, focused on, I guess, this, you know, living living the godly life and the, and the life of faith. and Being on mission with God. The, yeah. and, and comparisons between perhaps the wicked and the, and the servants of the Lord, the people that, yeah. that are following and the ones that aren't, how we need to be light yeah. in the world. And how, I guess, it starts to speak about the new Jerusalem and, and how God's justice and mercy and blessing will flow out to all the nations of the world yeah. through the servants yeah. of the Lord. Yeah, know, that's right. So. Yeah. So um, in, sorry, which, yeah. see which, chapter 56, verse 6, yeah. and foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord mm. to minister to him. That okay, that's shocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, whoa, 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 wait a yeah, second. Yeah. It's, the, it's only the Levites. You know that that get to minister in the in the you know in the the, within the t- yeah. temple of God. You know, uh, they are the ministers. No, as, and foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord and to be His servants. All who keep uh, keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to My covenant. So there's still a sense of obedience there. Yes, yeah. You know, uh, and and these I will bring to My holy mountain. I will give them joy in My house of prayer. Their their burnt offerings and sacrifice will be acceptable on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for for all nations. nations. Now, Jesus quoted that, of course, when he went into the the temple, you know, so this is, this is a house of prayer uh, for all nations. And in a sense, we're still called to bring, because it speaks about uh, sacrifices being accepted. Now, remember, Paul says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice sacrifice. Mm. in view of God's mercy. He says, in view of God's mercy, offer yourself as living sacrifice. This is essentially what Isaiah is talking about. In yeah, view yeah. of what we've read about in Isaiah chapter 53, in view of the mercy of God. Well, he's purchased yeah. us outright. Yeah. You know, we are his. And yeah. this is what's going to happen. You know, there's going to be this ingathering uh, of, of the nation. So, um, so in verse 8 there, he says, The sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles, exiles of Israel... I will gather still others to them besides those already. There's this, you know, this uh, predictions all, of this wide uh, in gathering. Um, it, it, there's always this. Uh, there's always this focus on. You know, comes back to this focus on trust me in obedience. You know what is true fasting in chapter fifty-eight. Mm, it talks mm. about. You know, uh, very much pointing back, and this and this is classic Deut- book of Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know, it's very much heart. Yeah. You know, obey the Lord with all your heart. It's not about ritual. Yeah, it's not about and because of course it it became pretty ritualized, ticking you know, box. Tick, yeah. tick box ticking, and uh, then there's again it's you know, and this needs to be mentioned too, Stu. The coming back to this theme of justice. Yes. Uh, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will, sh- you know, rise in the darkness and so forth. One of my favourite passages in this, Stu, is um, Isaiah sixty: "Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth; thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appeals over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn." Yeah. And so, I, you know, I love this because there's this again. There's this reinstatement. This is going to happen. My glory, the Abrahamic covenant, is going to be fulfilled. You yeah. will be a blessing to all the earth. Right? I, I, my glory is. Is going to be within you, you know, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the church, uh, the ch- you know, the the light to the Gentiles, the light to the nations. This is going to happen, um, but it's going to happen through the ministry of the Spirit. That of course Jesus announces when he goes into the the synagogue, and then he reads from Isaiah sixty one, doesn't right. he? Yeah. Uh, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is this is the indwelling Holy Spirit. In other words, is not just to make us feel good. It's it's for it's, a purpose. It's yeah. uh, you know this is empowerment for ministry. This yeah. is this is our reinstatement. You know, uh, to ministry and and so, you know, to be a, to be a Christian is is to be a minister of God. Is, yeah. You know, um, so you know the spirit of the so- sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
Then he says, in the day of vengeance of our God. Of course, Jesus stops there. Yeah. So Jesus is saying, I, I carry this, uh, this, oh, this, this spirit of the Lord is upon me. Mm. In Jesus' case, very much to, you know, to pour out this spirit upon, uh, upon his people and really empower them to do these things. And of course, in the New Testament, God is still very much concerned with the poor. You see that yes. in, in the book of Acts. Yep. Um, one of the, you know, one of the first, uh, sort of committee meetings they have is about how how, how to look after the widows serve the poor, the, yeah, right? Exactly. You yeah. know, the widows and the orphans and yeah. so forth. But of course, there's a there's an understanding of poverty that goes way deeper now, yeah. uh, and and there's there's this fundamental spiritual poverty. So there's not the poor us and them. You know, there's a fundamental spiritual poverty. This is a, a really important aspect of the, of, the, of our of our worldview that we understand that there is a common poverty to all mankind yes. of which Jesus is the only answer. Right. Yep, yep. And, 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 and that the Holy spirit alone can pull us out of, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, the Holy spirit is upon us to bring the ministry of the spirit to all of to those all in nations. this spiritual yep, poverty, to right. free them, you know, to free them from these, um, from this kind of captivity. So this is, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, the, the, the view of, uh, of, Isaiah in these final chapters is very much looking forwards, you know, and 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 this sort of climaxes in chapter sixty-five where you get this prediction of a new heavens and a new earth, mm, you know. Yeah. Isaiah is big picture, yeah. you know, is looking forward to when God is going to, you know, re recreate this earth, and it's spoken of in terms that they uh, that they can imagine, and you know, so yeah. you know, so um, it it says that you know someone who dies at a hundred will be considered. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, but in, in, in fact, we know that there's no, you know, there's going to be no death and yeah. uh, death and suffering gone yeah, forever. Yeah, death and suffering gone. You know, so, and of course, this is picked up then in uh, Revelation chapter 21, the new heavens, you know, behold, I saw a new heavens and a yeah. new earth, yeah. uh, you know, echoing Isaiah. So Isaiah saw it. He's seeing right to the end. There's going to be, you know, this ultimate redemption because redemption isn't just about redeeming Israel. It's not even just about redeeming the the, the humanity from sin. Mm. It's actually a, a universal redemption of all creation. All things. Yeah. And so, I love the fact that Isaiah picks up on this big, big picture. Mm. He comes mm. back to that big picture that all of creation is redeemed in the end, and and it's it's just it's just remarkable. And. And important to note that everyone from all nations is invited to come and to know who God is and to live in this kingdom. Isn't forever. it just you constantly know, invitational? Everyone. You yeah, know, you recognize that, you know, and, and yep. it's this constant invitation. Come and be a part of this. No one's excluded, no right? Because one, yeah. you don't have to live up to it. Yeah. You know, because, you know, the backdrop is because I know that you didn't live up to it, right? But I'm going to empower you by my spirit to be who I need you to be. Yeah. And your membership in this covenant community for you to be a servant of the Lord mm. and part of God's servant, mm. uh, you know, a part of God's people, it just requires trust. Just trust me and trust yourself yeah. to me. And uh, and if you do, you will be empowered by my spirit yeah. to be this light mm. to the nations. Mm. And it's a remarkable, a remarkable And trust promise. empowers obedience. You know, it's when we trust yeah. that we'll do Exactly what we're asked to do, yeah. you know, and so, um, I mean, a, a clear sign of our obedience uh, of our trust is our obedience to God's call. And yeah. He doesn't call us to be successful. He doesn't call us to be prosperous. He just calls us to be obedient. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources, and much more at our website thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive. Thrive.